Grace Clark. I declare bankruptcy. Bears beats Battlestar Galactica. Depression. Isn't that just a fancy word for feeling bummed out? Dwight, you ignorant slut. Not only the years we've been at war, but from the moment as a child when we realized that the world could be conquered. Welcome to the Great Scott Podcast, the Office Podcast. That's too many podcasts. I'm your host, <laughs> Jay Ray. Uh, with me is my desk mate, Jacob. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Uh, we are members of the Broken Jars Broadcasting Network. Visit us at brokenjars.xyz for all of our other great shows. Um, how you doing, man? Uh, good. You know, it's uh, it's the Fourth uh, of July weekend, so long weekend, so that's been nice. Uh, we grilled out tonight, got some you know ribeyes, just you know went to town on that, so that was really Fancy. nice. It's so much cheaper than going to a restaurant, man. You can buy like all the meat you want for like sixteen bucks instead of spending sixteen bucks a steak or twenty bucks a steak at a restaurant. So that's been nice. That's true. And grilling's great. We um, I was just on vacation, as you know, and uh, maybe as our listeners don't know, but I uh. We were grilling while we were away. You know, we were getting some corn. We had some, um, we had some like deli hot dogs, which I didn't even know delis made hot dogs. Uh-huh. They were like fresh hot dogs, um, burgers. Yeah, it was nice. And like, and if you know, and if like I mess it up, it's not a big deal. Put it back on the grill. Chuck it out. It's easy, <laughs> easy, nice, easy. Yeah, and it's good, man. Sounds uh, great. Yeah, I love grilling. Uh, we we were finally able to have one since we're actually living in a house. If anyone who's listened to forty two. Um, knows we, we finally have a house and so we can have a grill and it's just super it, it's so cheap mm-hmm. like charcoal plus like last night we grilled out some grilled up some uh, bro, uh bratwurst you know, like cheese filled bratwurst oh, yeah. yeah it was like eight bucks for both of us you know <laughs> and like we yeah. were super full so it was awesome but but we're not here to talk about grilling we're here to talk about <laughs> The NBC show, The Office, which we all know and love. Um, And tonight we're covering season one, episodes three, four, five, and six. So that is Healthcare, The Alliance. Um, There's one more I'm forgetting. Basketball. Basketball and Hot Girl. So those are the four episodes we're going to be covering tonight. Uh, I think there's going to be some interesting stuff. Especially because this is where the office really starts to hit its stride. It feels like by the time you get to like basketball hot girl, it feels like the office. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So why don't we get into it? So what do you think about episode three healthcare where Dwight gets tasked to pick the company's healthcare plan? Um, yeah, you're right that these, this stretch of episodes definitely starts to feel more like the office we come to know and love later on. Um, it's also has some like good moments where like you see Dwight's need to have power, you know, in mm-hmm. like his little like office space thing. Um, the Jim Dwight, uh, what do you call it? Rip Battle. Yeah. Yeah. That's like definitely like hit its peak here. Um, actually healthcare and Alliance, they both kind of focus on that a lot. The mm-hmm. Dwight and Jim versus each other in this um. Yeah, and then again, it just kind of shows Michael and his supervisors, which is nice because so much of the show is Michael managing the office, right? Right. Um, but when Jen is his boss, it's just kind of fun to see him like 
back down a little, you know? Mm. Like he tries to ride his high horse and then Jan's like, no, this is how you get to do your job. And he's like, ah, shit. Yeah, that's something uh, in my notes a lot of it were about, especially in this episode where Michael, it really shows who Michael really is about how he really hates to do his actual job. Mm-hmm. You know, he wants to be liked, he wants to be loved, but he hates the part of the job where he doesn't get to be liked or loved, you know? Right. So, uh, you know, you see that because he, like, pawns off this really important decision to Dwight, which is, which you should never do. That would, in most companies, that would get you fired. So that's our first check mark for things that would get people fired in the show. Yep. Um, and so I think that's really interesting. And plus, you also see uh, a lot of his disdain for Dwight as well. Because, you know, Dwight wants to, like, impress him so much, right? Right. And he just he just treats Dwight like shit, right? The entire time, you know, because like Jim locks Dwight in his you know office workspace, right? And you know Michael sees it and just like walks into his office, doesn't do anything to help, doesn't him. even care, yeah, doesn't even care. So I think it's a really interesting um, dynamic because it's also um, we're building up to hating Dwight. Because I remember mm. watching the show for the first time, I just hated Dwight. Until one particular episode, it was the um, it was the uh, the dr- the piss test episode. I don't oh um, drug testing. I think dr- it's drug testing. Yeah. yeah, and so like I hated Dwight until then, and then you're like, wow, no, I don't hate Dwight. I hate Michael. Michael's a douche, like hardcore. I, yeah, maybe drug. I forget the order, but um, the fight I think is that season also. Um, and that's where Dwight and Michael go to Dwight's dojo to have like a that would little be season two. Then I I can never remember if drug testing is season two or season three. Yeah, and um, yeah, but again, yeah, you're right. Michael is like being like a bit of a dick. You know, he can't like have Dwight have this thing. He has to, uh, you know, he always tries to keep him down because he likes Dwight as a number two or whatever number he sees him as. But the instance that like Dwight, as soon as Dwight starts to elevate, Michael's got to like put him back down. Right. Yeah, that's the shittiness of Michael. Um, this episode was written by Paul Lieberstein. Which is a.k.a. Toby. Um, yeah, and we, we talked about it last episode, but, you know, a lot of the staff, or rather the cast of The Office, write a lot of these episodes. So, mm-hmm. And that's why um, I think it's season five, um, a lot of them stop writing. Like they, mm-hmm. they get or that's how they stop writing. They get, but they get more writers, right? And yeah. so that's why, like, the fuel of the show kind of changes after after that episode. Yeah, I mean, some of them start to direct some episodes, mm-hmm. which might affect that, um, and then some of them too probably start getting other work also. Right, right. Yeah, like uh, you know, starting in movies or whatever. Yeah. Um, one thing I, I found funny about this episode is you know. Because Jim's talking about it, like, if I were to move any higher in this company, it would be my career. And I'm just like, oh, young Jim, so naive. Mm-hmm. You're going to be here for another nine years. <laughs> um, so speaking of Dwight's uh, workspace, mm-hmm. which is called Dwight Schrute Workspace. Right. Which um, is the in, conference room. Yeah. In the uh, That's right. And there's that like funny bit where he's like, my office is bigger years. And then there's just like that nice early office awkwardness where it's like a wide shot of the two of them. And like Michael's like so mad at Dwight for insisting that his office is bigger. And Dwight's like, I got him, you know. 
Um, but there were some, in the deleted scenes, there were some other names that Dwight came up with for that office that um, Pam and Jim kind of go through. Okay. One is uh, Shroot Space, which is actually the name of Dwight's blog. Um, I guess that was on the NBC site. There's Quiet, Dwight Schroot Working, and then uh, Dwight Schroot Privates. So those were like signs that in the deleted scene he had written up and thrown out. He's like, I could do better. But Jim and Pam found like a whole garbage can of them. They were just going through them, which is pretty nice. Yeah. Uh, one thing, so one of the new sections we're going to start bringing up is Fireball Offenses. Mm-hmm. So per episode, because there's at least one, maybe not every episode, but most episodes, there's at least one fireball offense. And so Dwight's questioning about medical records, Insta yeah. fired. Insta. Like if you had any kind of anything, he would be fired. Right. Um, so here are some diseases that were submitted to Dwight. Uh, based on like what you could see on pieces of paper and stuff, you got mad cow disease, mm-hmm. Ebola, spontaneous dental hydroplosion, which yeah, was, really, was really great. That was yeah. from Pam, yeah. Uh, leprosy, mm-hmm. flesh-eating bacteria, hot dog fingers. Um, and now we're getting into the bits that were said also verbally to him, but we've got anal fissures. Anal fissures, yep. Um, government-created nanorobot infection. Uh, count choculitis. An inverted penis. <laughs> and are, that's where Meredith asked, could you mean vagina? Because if so, <laughs> I want that. Uh, and then Dwight naively says, but I thought you had your vagina removed. Right, and that's something uh, I actually wrote a note about is this really shows, and this is something continuous throughout most of the show, is Dwight's sort of, I don't know if disdain is the right word, but definitely a... a complete misunderstanding of of females Mm. plus his just complete lack of caring for them yeah i mean he definitely has like this kind of archaic manly man concept of like how society should work it's not so far that like women shouldn't have thoughts or anything but definitely like their role in society is like you know people he just kind of puts babies in (laughs) and like because of that he doesn't care to understand how women work in that what right is and so, but even then like if we go down later in the road they're talking about when um him and angela go to toby about the senator being gay mm. it's like how do they know which penis will open up and take the other yeah right yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know so and this is just the start of that because this is a constant running joke for him for the majority of the show is his he's he's not a dumb guy but he's sheltered in a weird way it's not like right. i don't i don't know if sheltered's the right word for it but he's just like he's well, just not normal you well, know we find out later too that he was raised on like this Pennsylvania German Dutch farm that's like really separated from society right like he's almost amish but not so, uh, you know, right, like what he's led to believe, like, you know, at one point he says, um, I think it, it's this episode, he could raise and lower his cholesterol at will. Right. Which is like probably not true, but you feel like that's just some ass backwards things that he learned on like the farm, you know? <clears throat> um, 
Yeah, this episode really brings in the I have perfect DNA because I'm a shrewd. You right. know that whole his whole I'm a shrewd, and that's right. And he has I, that bit like way later where he can um, make his penis go into his own body. It's also like the beginning of like weird little bodily tricks that Dwight has about himself. Yeah. Um, yeah. Dwight's a weirdo. Dwight is a weirdo, but he becomes less so, I think, going down. Like, like I think we said in the last episode, like, Dwight's progression is probably my favorite progression of anyone in the show because mm. it's the most um, most full, I guess is probably the way to say it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's true. I mean, a lot of the characters, because, like, Jim is really good when it's Jim and Pam, and that's, like, the storyline. Um, and... Once that happens, it allows the other characters to grow, and Dwight's definitely one of them that starts to get into his own for sure. Yeah, um, but another part of this episode is so Michael pisses everybody off, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Okay, I've got a surprise." Yeah, you know, so he tries to like do the whole ice cream sandwich thing, and he's like, "So we would like to take the troops on your giant ride." It's like ride. It's a industrial coal elevator that goes 300 feet in the ground. Right. And so something like the very end of this episode, because one thing a lot of the actors, I think, do really well in the office is their facial expressions. The very end of the episode, like, like Jim is just so pissed. Yeah. He's beyond pissed, you know, and it's like, like, he just, he doesn't say a word. He just has this, like... This look about him, like, oh God, I can't believe I trusted you. You know, right. like, and, um, I, and that's what a lot of them do really well, especially in this episode. Is a lot of them like when they're really upset with Michael, they don't say anything. Like the scene is mostly quiet, but it's just like the look on everyone's faces is just pure disdain for this person. So funny thing about that pause, right? Paul Lieberstein at uh, at some festival said this quote that the scene was scripted as, quote, the longest pause in television history. Uh, when it was shot, it, was ultimate, it ultimately went on for two and a half minutes, so long that Steve Carell broke into a sweat from the awkwardness of the situation. So, I mean, can you imagine, like, you've got a whole crew, plus, like, this really large cast, and they're just staring at you, and, like, you were just told, just be as quiet as you can for as long as you can. Like, because at some point it either becomes funny and it like, kind of ruins it, or like that awkwardness like really sets in and it's just like this is weird. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. They, they did such a good job in that particular scene. Like they just they sold it without words, you know. They were just mm-hmm. like, Oh my god, it was just perfect. Like everyone is upset, you know, Michael's trying to be Michael and crack jokes and it just doesn't work. Yeah. And, and generally too, well, so I'm gonna I'm gonna keep bringing up some deleted scenes or whatever. Because I, I personally feel that they're kind of canon. They're just like weren't super important unless like they blatantly say something that is mentioned to be false moving forward. But uh, the deleted scene for that ending bit was that Michael says bowling when everybody walks out of the office. So it's just him and the camera crew. Everybody's left and he goes bowling or whatever, right? <laughs> um, which to me makes it seem like his brain kind of broke when he was being awkward. Right, well, he he kept trying to think of something to say, and he couldn't do it. Yeah. So, like, actually, that that deleted scene makes a lot of sense for yeah. the you know the, the moment in the episode. 
Yeah, I mean, um, and he was like really reaching. He was, he goes to that travel agent, and he's all like, "Well, it's kind of like an all-inclusive comped bus to Atlantic City." You know, like he. I mean, a lot. I think the thing that the office does is that a lot of the characters are like really disconnected from reality. You know, which is something that Michael says about Andy, like in season three during the merger. Mm-hmm. He's like, I don't understand how someone could be lack self-awareness or whatever it is. And Dwight and Michael both kind of show that here um, about like how they just don't understand how other people, why other people react so weirdly to them, you know? Right. And I think that's something, especially with Michael, that you started seeing it like he isn't he isn't quite connected to everything else. Like, he's not stupid because a lot of times when people bring this kind of stuff up, they talk about the person being stupid. Right. He's not stupid. He's obviously a good person in business, you know, great salesman, but his perception of reality, mm-hmm. um, and I think it is something I will come up later in, in while we talk, is his, he is so disconnected from... He has no self-awareness. Like, his view of reality is so different from the actual view of reality. It's really strange. Yeah. Um, Some, like, minor, like, a minor thing that's, like, retconned. Mm -hmm. In this episode, Dwight says that he's never been sick. Perfect immune system. Right. Um, But, like, later on, it says, like, he once had pneumonia. Um, He's had kidney stones before. And then um, during performance review, he also... um, He's late that time. I mean, obviously, that's in the future. So up until this point, that's what he's claiming. But obviously, he's kind of a person. He's not. He's not this uh, right, right, right. Yeah, big disease-free wall mm-hmm. that he thinks he is. Yeah, and that's watching the retcons is fun. I, mm-hmm. I, 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 enjoy, I think finding those are more fun than watching the actual show at some points. Yeah, because there's some I, crazy retcons. Actually, we're going to get to one in uh, episode five, which I think is a really important one, but. Mm. Yeah, I mean, so so we got a couple episodes. I guess so. What what would you give? What would you rate this episode? You know, this episode's really good. Um, it really starts to flesh out the characters. I mean, it's episode three, so they've had a little bit of time. Um, one thing I have to give them is these guys start to feel like the people we know and love early. Right. You know, they, it starts to feel. You know, Dwight is Dwight. Jim is Jim. Etc. Etc. So I'm going to give this uh, four out of five inverted vaginas. <laughs> That's tough. I'm going to have to agree with you. That's going to be four out of five flesh-eating robots. Flesh-eating. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> right. um, yeah. So our next episode is episode season one, episode four, the Alliance, which is where uh, it's all about the downsizing. And Dwight's really scared, and he's worried about getting let go. And so Jim and uh, Pam decide to play a prank on Dwight, which ultimately backfires. So, um, good episode. Yeah, I think it's a really good episode. Uh, you get you get to see a lot of the. Um, interaction between Jim and Pam. Like, I think this is the first real episode where you're like, somebody has feelings for somebody else. Yes. Yeah, because there's some, like, cute talking head moments, like, in the first episode where, like, 
Dwight, no, uh, not Dwight, Jesus. Um, Jim knows Pam's favorite yogurt, and Pam thinks that's cute, but it's like separate. But you're right. This is like the first time like they have chemistry like well, in that, person. Like but that. there's also talking head in this episode where there was a uh, thing where Pam played a prank on Dwight. And it flashes to, you know, talking head Jim. He's like, she's, it was oh, all yeah, her yeah. idea. It's, she's so great. And yeah. then you like, you can see him catch himself. Right. And look at the camera and go, shit. Right. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I screwed true. up, you know. And I think that was, it was, this when you really started to get the idea of this person loves somebody else that he can't have. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's, that's what really drives the first like three, three seasons, seasons. Yeah. yeah is jim is doing everything he can not to be with pam and then he gets to be with pam and i mean grant i don't think that him being with pam ruins the show it right. definitely changes it but i don't think it ruins it at all right this um jim also says uh absolutely i do when dwight offers to be mm-hmm. and which kind of becomes like a line that is said by characters who are agreeing and like well, but it's also uh, um, the because Pam says it. Pam brings it up. Yeah, yeah. if I say like Pam is like Jim always taught me if Dwight asks you to do anything, what you say is absolutely I do. Right. And so it, it's this like nice little tie-in that you don't even realize until like eight seasons later. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jim says it in season three, kind of to Andy when Andy's like fishing around like who should he date and then when Andy lands on like Pam he's like what about her uh Jim says something absolutely you should something like that so it's kind of like this like rusy agreement phrasing you know right and one thing I found funny about this episode is more because of the time we're living in right now so if people listen to this podcast 10 years down the road they'll know exactly what we're talking about but Mm -hmm. there's a big Donald Trump reference with oh, yeah, Michael, yeah. he's like, you know, I, I could never be that guy because his favorite words, oh, you're fired. Right. <laughs> you know, I'm just like, oh, that's funny. If you had ever thought that guy would be like maybe our next president. <laughs> well, you know, and sometimes this is a, kind of like a look at like, obviously this is an NBC show, right? Right. Because um, there's that, actually there's that in the performance review episode, Dwight says that um, they have this prank on Dwight where he missed The Apprentice. Right. Right. And then the name of the alliance and like a lot of the way that Dwight and Jim talk to each other and even how it's shot is very reminiscent of like Survivor, which is also on NBC. Right. You know, so it's Mm -hmm. like a lot of like, hey, we got other shows, you know, you know. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's true. Um, Let's see. The B storyline here, right, is Michael trying to have a birthday party for Meredith. Right. Uh, and I think that was really interesting because you really see a lot of, and even, it'll be even more so than the next episode, but like Michael's just complete lack of decorum around women. Right, right. Um, and also you, you have, um, it's also the first reference of the Dundies. Yes. Because uh, Dwight says, Beard Palmer, Two kids, two divorces, um, et cetera, et cetera. Multiple, multiple Dundies winner. 
So the, the, one of the weird things about Meredith is she mentions a second child multiple times, mm-hmm. but you never see her. You only see the son. Right. So Jake, I think, is his name. I think or, so, too, yeah. It's a, it's a J name. So, But, yeah, so I find that really interesting how, like, they keep referencing, and at least for the first four or five seasons, they keep ra- referencing the second child, but you never see him, ever. Right. Um. There's another, I don't, it's probably not a mistake. It's probably just something that they added in and they just changed it later. But uh, Jim's quote to Meredith is, you're an accountant. You're an accountant. Right. Just fudge mm-hmm. the numbers. But she's not an accountant. She's um, right. supplier relations. So maybe, yeah, that's, uh, that was something I was wondering about. Like, was she originally supposed to be an accountant? They just changed it? Or right. what? I, I'm not sure. Because there's, there's like... Um, there's like this weird, like there's a bunch of characters in this first season. Characters is the wrong word, but people who work in the office who aren't actually like the cast, you know? Mm-hmm. Like there's a weird little old lady who is nobody who's just there for the birthday party. And we just assume she works somewhere in the office and then she's like never seen again. Um, that Devin guy is around, you know? Right, uh, he, but he doesn't get fired until the Halloween season episode two. of yeah. season two, right? Um, so it's just interesting, like, because Creed just as easily could have been one of those background characters and he mm-hmm. ends up become, like you said, he's in like almost all the episodes. It's like 180 of the 200 yeah. or something like that. Yeah. So it's kind of, a, uh, it's interesting in retrospect now to watch all of these old episodes and see all these, like, who the hell is that? And they're like, they're really just nobody. They're just trying to fill in the space, you know? Right. And so, and there's a couple of characters like especially like Creed who become something. Yeah. Like I think it's either this episode or the next episode where we meet Daryl for the first time. Like Daryl has had no spoken lines until like episode four, episode five of the first yeah. season. And they go down to the warehouse. I I'm pretty sure it's basketball, but I think you're right. Um Yeah, you're right. Because um what do you call it? Yeah, and then there's that whole ridiculous I mean, we'll get there in the next bit, but that whole ridiculous name thing, like Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Right. And like how it's like so far away from Daryl. Uh, right, but it, it's funny because um, I don't know if it's happened yet, but um, Michael does something similar with Pam where mm-hmm. he like keeps evolving her name over and over yeah, again. Yeah, like Pamela Ding Dong. Pamela Ding Dong and uh, yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah and so yeah. I... Like, it's a very nice continuity where you're like, oh, this is just who this guy is. Right. That's yeah. something I think uh, they do really well, especially early, is like establishing, ugh, sorry, can't talk, establishing who these people are. Right. And I mean, yeah. They, they I mean, really hold to those molds for the most part. Yeah. I mean, Jim, Pam, Dwight, and uh, Michael are definitely like, the best in terms of early progression but like right now we don't know Meredith's a slut you know right and Angela is not as uptight as she becomes and Kelly is right Kelly's is pretty normal right now pretty normal right now I mean she's been like really one episode for the most part right diversity day right diversity, yeah um let's see what other notes do I have about this crazy episode um oh so I was looking this up and it was like really weird and I had to rewatch this bit a bunch but they uh, so when Jim is taping Dwight in the box right 
so this piece of trivia I saw, and I never saw it in the show before, but it says that there is a animatronic mouse trapped in a mouse trap behind Jim as he's taping Dwight in the box. And I was like, I never saw that before because they wanted it to look like a warehouse or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I, I rewatched that bit like 10 times and literally the last time I saw it. And it's only in one shot. It looks like they took away the mousetrap in other shots. But yeah, it's this big fake ass rat <laughs> in a mousetrap and its head is just sideways. It just like flops up and down sometimes. I was like, that's so <laughs> weird. But if you, if you ever want to watch that scene 20 times, you'll, you'll see it there. Uh, one thing of this episode really starts really like if you weren't getting the vibes they were putting down, like this one just hits you in the face with the whole Jim Pam thing. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, Roy gets really jealous when, you know, Jim is talking to Pam and the whole thing. Like, And there, there's a certain shot where, like, they leave together and, like, Jim is just super sad about it, you know? Yeah, it, it's it's... It kind of goes back to what I said to you last episode about like the rare times that Jim is on the losing side of things because mm-hmm. um, he lost when Dwight made that sale for him. And then here he loses out too because Roy comes in and kind of tough guys him. And, um, and it's like super awkward too, right? Because it's at the reception, which is like right. the front of the whole office. Mm-hmm. So you know everybody saw it. And what else is he going to do? So the best he can do is kind of stand there awkwardly. Right. So the sort of the one of the questions I've always had is like is Jim in the right? I mean, granted he starts dating Katie, you know, into season one, into se- season two, et cetera, et cetera. But it how would you feel about the whole Jim Pam thing? Well, so that I, I had this terrible expression I used to say a lot when I was younger in that you can always score even if there's a goalie, <laughs> you know, which is not great. But um, so I don't know. You ever see Chasing Amy? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's, it's kind of like this mentality where it's like you still want this thing, you know, even though it seems unobtainable. And um, it's kind of like this, not to get too crazy so social or whatever but it's kind of like this like perceived like white guy problem that like they can just have things um so ben affleck is wants to date a lesbian and then kevin smith wrote it so he ends up dating a lesbian totally fine um and then jim too kind of hoping against hope you know he's all like well maybe she likes me you know and he tries to point out all the times where like they've been um engaged for three years i think at that point or something crazy mm. And um, so, but that being said, I don't think he's wrong. I, w- I would do that. And Pam's a damn cutie. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, but it's just one of those weird things. Like, we'll get into relationship relationship stuff later that mm-hmm. we can really talk about because there are certain things that happen in this show that's happened to me, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so that'll be interesting. Uh, uh, but, um, you know... C- because Pam is just as much at fault, you know? Right. And, you know, she she flirts just as hard. Right. And so part of it is, and if you read a lot of, like, the Reddits and stuff, is, like, Pam is one of the most hated characters mm. on Reddit. Because they're, like, she's a terrible person because of all the things she did. So I don't, I don't necessarily agree with it, but I can see it because she 
she never knew when to say when. You know, she she just let things keep going. Yeah, I mean, because like you said, now now we're gonna get real far away from it, right? Now we're talking like seasons later, but it's it's tough because because at the end of season three, Casino Night, I think it is two. That's season two, two. two. Uh, Jim doesn't really need to tell her how he feels. You know, he says it. He says, "I need you to know," but. He's kind of being selfish in that moment, you know, because he doesn't and he knows that she's in this thing. And like the nice thing to do would for him to let her make her own decisions. And he kind of dumps this thing on her, which is why I bring up Chasing Amy, because that's also very similar. Happens in the car, you know. Um, And he only does it to make himself feel better and to like give him that chance. But Pam acts correctly in that like we can't. You know, so Jim Jim's the Jim's the weirdo here. If, if right. Reddit's kind of dislike anybody, we should be disliking Jim. <laughs> Reddit. <laughs> Another thing that I think popped out in this episode was just how, especially sort of in the B storyline of the, actually this might also be kind of a retcon is later in season at least season four. It's shown that Michael knows everyone's birthday, like, to the day. Oh, right. You know, it especially comes out in Survivor Man. But in yep. this episode, he doesn't know that no one, you know, he, it's, he doesn't have the same sort of encyclopedic knowledge of his people's birthdays. Yeah. And in that episode, it's, it's shown, at least in Survivor Man in season four, where he's like, he knows everyone's birthday. He's made all the mistakes. You know, he's been doing it forever. So right. it's, it's sort of a weird, I don't know if it's a full retcon, but it's kind of a retcon. Yeah. I mean, aside from the fact that, like, definitely all the characters' birthdays probably change a couple of times in, like, throughout the show for, like, right. story convenience. Um, yeah, I feel like that's probably something they add to Michael once they try to get him further away from, like, that unaware douchey manager and more to that like lovable oaf manager that he kind of becomes toward the end right um so it's it's probably most likely more of a retcon maneuver as opposed to like an oversight but um yeah it's a good point yeah because he definitely becomes a lot more like emotionally involved (laughs) in all of those people like later on you know right and you know, when he was talking about, like, all the different things he rejected for Meredith's card, you're like, wow, dude, you have, like, no, right, you know, connection to reality here. Yeah, it's true. So, uh, well, good? No, you, please. I was about to say, uh, what do you, uh, what would you give this episode? You know, I think it's probably not one of the stronger ones of the season. It's a good one, but not so great. So I'm going to, I'm going to have to give it a. Uh, Three out of four. I didn't have a. I didn't have a noun for this one. <laughs> three out of four. Uh, Roy, intimidation moves. Yeah. Three out of five. Three out of five. Yeah. Three out of five. Um, you know, if I would have, if you had asked me before I rewatched these again for yeah. like the fifteenth time or whatever, I probably would have given a four out of five. But I think I'm at a three out of five. Uh, White in uh, cardboard boxes. Uh, so, 
I think it's a good episode, and I remember remember it more fondly than it actually deserves. Right. It's, you know, and before we move on to basketball, it is interesting, too, how much they play up the office closing stuff, like the the branch closing, Mm -hmm. Uh, because, like, every other episode is pretty much about that. Right. Even in basketball, there's like a pretty big reference to the branch possibly closing. Right. Um, and it kind of, I, and also, too, there's 20 episodes in the season moving forward. So it's easier to like not have to talk about it all the time. But the first season's pretty heavy with that weighing on people. Right. And I mean, it's, it's, um, it's a good catalyst for discussion, right? So, like, you can always push the we're, we're going down into the right. narrative and that creates a lot of tension and that allows people to react off the tension. Right. All right. Uh, so next up we have basketball, which is the fifth episode of the season. Um, it aired in uh, April 2005, written by Greg Daniels, directed by Greg Daniels. Yes. Greg Daniels does a lot of episodes. Yeah. He does like 20 episodes for the office. I haven't looked, but I wonder if his involvement goes down once Parks and Rec goes up. Like, obviously, he's still, like, the creator of the show. But I wonder, like, if he started focusing more on Parks and Rec once that show started taking off. Probably. But we'll, we'll get there. Uh, but essentially, kind of one storyline, uh, the office workers upstairs are challenging the warehouse workers downstairs to a basketball game because Michael noticed they had a basketball hoop. And um, antics ensue. Yes. Um, Michael being Michael raises the bet too far. Yep. You know, so he's like, hey, let's, uh, you know, because. Daryl says, losers buy the winner's dinner at wherever. Yeah, some steakhouse. Yeah. Yeah. And Michael's like, no, losers work on Saturday. Which is a thing because the branches are urged to work on the weekend mm -hmm. and they have to do it. Otherwise, they'll get closed. Yeah. Might get closed, right? Yeah. Um, so it, this is a this is a good episode. Uh, I think it really shows sort of a even though they're still in the offices, uh, office. Sorry, um, they you you get to see them outside of their normal right business character. Yeah, uh, you get to see Jim. He's like, oh, because I don't know. Did you play basketball in high school? I did. Like if you watch uh, John Krasinski, the actor, play, he's played some ball. Like some of his moves are, like, I was a four-year starter in high school, and I can't do some of those moves. Right, you know. And so there's those those little things that you may or may not get. So like you can tell he's played ball. Um, You know, you get some of the stuff about how. you get to see sort of Pam being in both camps. Yep. Because she's cheering for Jim, but also cheering for Roy. Uh, so that, that's really interesting. Uh, one of the bigger or longer term retcons, I guess. Mm. So, uh, and this is jumping to the end of the episode, so we'll, we'll come back to it. But uh, Oscar is good at basketball, right? Kevin. No, Oscar, too. Oscar oh, will shoot and prove. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. You're right, you're right, you're right. Yeah. But. In uh, Happy Hour, which is like season six or season seven, he can't shoot for shit. When maybe it's just because he's trying to impress the warehouse worker, he's yeah. got a crush right, so on. He's nervous. Yeah, it could just be that. But like, 
it's it's a big retcon. Like, because as good as he was, like, stroking that ball, like, and the way he was throwing it in happy hour is just a complete retcon. Well, yeah. I mean, Kevin's the one who lands all those shots in a row. Uh, right. But then, but Oscar yeah. also does hit does a couple, like too. A couple. Yeah. yeah. Um, another funny thing about this episode, especially in context of it being in the same season, is that Michael is still being culturally insensitive. Yes. Right. He's yes. like, Stanley, you're a secret weapon just because he's a black guy. And then Ooh. he says, Oscar, you're going to be great during baseball season. Or in bo- or if we're or in box. boxing. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> yeah, that's one of my notes. Uh, so, but this is also when we start getting into a, bit, a little bit more backstory about Dwight. Because mm. he's like, because Michael references Lord of the Rings and Dwight corrects him. And then Michael starts making fun of him. He's like, oh, plus two Elven Sword. Right, yeah. So, yeah. my question is, because. With that is, does Dwight actually play D&D? It wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't shock anybody. But it's never actually said in the show. But I think I would have to say, yes, he does play D&D. Yeah, I think he might. It's it's tricky because cause Dwight's character, they fit in a lot to make him seem weird, right? Right. So, like, eventually we know that he grew up on this weird farm where he grows beets. Uh, he's got this weird Amish cousin named Mose, but he also has a Trans Am that he like rebuilt himself or whatever like that. Um, but then also he's into like all this like nerdy stuff. He likes Battlestar Galactica. He likes Lord of the Rings, you know. Um, so they really kind of chuck in all of this like weird nerd stuff. So in terms of how weird he is, I would assume he probably does play D anD. d But it's a lot of hobbies for. <laughs> A full-time employed salesman who runs a farm. Right, but that's uh, oh, it's like season six where like things are just going sideways for Dwight. He's like, yeah, you know, I'm doing you know karate eight times a week and this. I I meditate an hour in the morning, at right? Sunrise and sunset. So like, he apparently he just doesn't ever sleep. Right. I mean, he has weekly laser tag. Right. You know, yeah, no, he's, he's a busy guy and he does a lot. Um, but we also know he's popular because he has that weird bit where he brings in all of his friends or whatever. Um, well, popular, like. Well, not popular, but he's got, you know, he has outside work acquaintances. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> so um, there yeah. was something I, I kind of wondered in, I don't, it doesn't really affect the show too much, but Michael makes a reference to homosexuality when he's talking about how I wasn't saying gay in terms of sexuality, but bad, the bad at sports kind of way. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, so, he, like, part of me is, like, in the showrunner's mind, was Oscar already gay? Yeah, I feel, I mean, you know, we'd have to do some internet sleuthing, but he's gone from that season, season three, for a long time. Right, he's mm-hmm. in Gay Witch Hunt, and then he goes on that sabbatical because it's part of the lawsuit or whatever. It almost makes me wonder if he was like doing another job, the way that people do, you know. Uh, I th- so they like made him gay for the storyline because it was funny, and then he was able to leave for a long while to like shoot a movie or something crazy like that. That's about the time. No, never mind. I was about to say something, but it's not true. Because I know for a while he was doing movies because he was in um, The Proposal. Mm. 
which is hilarious. If you want a good rom-com, it's a good one. Uh, Ryan Reynolds, Senator Bullock, etc. Senator Bullock, she's great. Betty she's, White. Hey, man. San, Sandra's the best. She is. She's great. Um, um, yeah, so that, part of me wonders that. Like, yeah, I feel like, especially because we were talking about, too, like this uncertainty that the show would continue on after. Um, I feel like maybe this is one thing that they weren't necessarily planning. Maybe so. Um, and especially because they only got so many episodes ordered, and yeah. so they might have been trying to sort of tie things up yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Um, and it, it's it's one of those weird things about how shows work, right? Mm. You know, episodes. And so, um, like, How I Met Your Mother, I know the ending a lot of people really hated, but from the very first season, um, Robin was supposed to be the the ultimate goal for Ted. Right. And so there's... In, so, and they just carried it on once they got renewed. Because, but if they were going to be a one and done, right? Ted was going to get with Robin, and he she was going to be the mom, you right? Now, so it, so it's it's always weird to know what they're thinking and like pushing through, especially because a lot of these writers were there for a lot of years, you know, mm-hmm. right? You know, Mindy Kaling wrote a lot of episodes. So did B.J. Novak, so did Paul Lieberstein. I mean, it's like a third of the episodes between the three of them right there. Yeah. Um, so I have a question for you, buddy. Okay. If you were playing basketball against the warehouse staff. Right. And you had made a sweet layup on your crush's fiance. And you were walking back to your side of the court and you see Pam do that lip licking thing she does mm-hmm. i mean I'd, I'd pretty much call a timeout and have to like go take a cold splash of the uh the old sink there you know right uh yeah i mean that's she, that's an instance where like you really see like obviously pam likes jim in some way and she's flirty or whatever but this is the first time it's like it's a little bit more like you know you really saying? in your face yeah. about it uh yeah the weight Pam is in this episode is really interesting because she swings really hard both directions. Yeah. Because she's really cheering on Jim and really cheering on Roy. Yep. But the end of the episode, which is one of the more heartbreaking things if you actually watch it, you know, really pay attention to it is, you know, she's like, oh, we need to go get you in a tub. Yeah. To Roy at the very end of the episode. And, and Jim's like super happy. And then goes because he was flirting, you know, flirting, you know, about going to the the mall or whatever. And then, you know, she says that and his his face, his entire demeanor just changes. He's just like, oh, you know. Yeah, I think it's like an interesting instance where, like, because they really only know each other from work, right? There's like a lot that leads me to believe that at least up until this point, they haven't seen each other outside of the office, like even for like group events. And um, it's like this you know, reality check where it's like, yeah, they're engaged, they live together and they bang. Right. Sometimes in a bathtub. And Jim's like, Oh yeah, that's right. That sucks. Yeah. Right. And you know, um I don't know if it's this episode or one of the other ones, but you know, Jim's like, you know, I'm kind of her go to guy when, you know, there's problems with that work or with Roy. 
Well, and those are pretty much her only problems. Right, you know? right, right, yeah. So I, I don't remember if it's this episode or not, but, you know, you, it's that kind of weirdness about the entire relationship. Because, look, we've all, well, I don't know, maybe not we all, but I would have definitely had crushes on girls I couldn't have. Sure. Um, and so I, I understand the thing, and I grant it, I... I got to give Jim credit for the most part. He doesn't try to interfere. Right. Um, which I haven't always been that good. But, uh, you know, so I don't know. It, it's just a weird thing for me because I've definitely, I've been on both sides of that kind of coin. And mm. so it's a really interesting feeling, I think. Yeah, I mean, because when I was watching the show, I was in college. And... um it's like very similar to that. It's like this like close knit group of people and you kind of, everybody knows everybody. And it's just like, maybe you like this person, but she's dating a friend of yours or, you know, whatever, right. which way it is. So we've definitely all been in a situation where it's like, I don't know, you know, and especially, you know, they have the office with Roy having to be downstairs. But like when we were younger, um, you know, we had like, Everybody's aim chatting each other, you know, like, you know, oh, your boyfriend's giving you trouble. You know, what's going on? And then, you know. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, we get to see it here like in person and it's a little tough for Jim. But I also feel too like legitimately Pam feels that Jim's her friend, you know. Right. Um, so even though she has these feelings, she's OK with like keeping him there. It's 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 terrible. And I don't like to use the phrase, but it's a little friend zoney, you know, like mm -hmm. she gets the best out of Jim without, you know, having to give the whole shebang. But Jim gets just as much out of that relationship, too, you know? Right. And, you know, we'll start to see that sooner, like, things changing in the next episode. Yeah. But, okay, so there's one play in the basketball game where Roy throws an elbow into Jim's face. Yes. Is that in Was that an intentional foul? It's tough because in the context of the game, Jim was being a little bit more aggressive on Roy. Mm -hmm. At that point, he had um, he scored on Roy twice pretty cleanly, and Roy obviously is a temperamental guy. And then the last time, he does this like elbow shimmy and knocks Roy onto his behind. So probably. It was probably very <laughs> intentional. Yeah. Right, right. Especially coming off the alliance, you're like, well, maybe he's just like trying to show him who's boss because he – yeah. They do have like a weird apology moment though in the beginning of the game where um, – man, I wish I had written that down. But Roy's like, hey, man, sorry about whatever happened the other day, but I'm glad that she's got someone up there to talk to because – Right, yeah, I, right. I, I, I forgot know. about that, yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah, but you know it's still in like the back of Roy's mind because he's – again, he's an angry guy, you know. And um, this was a bit before like shows really went full continuity, but I feel like they do – for the most part, they do a good job with continuities. Yeah, yeah. Um, I will say uh, there was an interesting tidbit I found out when I was reading about this episode that that elbow was – it was written into the script, but the one that was shot and kept in was actually an accident <laughs> because Greg Daniels had them just play basketball and kind of like be their characters. Right. Um, and he just kept in the good bits because there's a lot of things that have no story element, right? Like – all the times Michael's trying to make three-point shots. Right. Or, um, you know, Dwight stealing the ball from Ryan. I think those were just like, what would Dwight do? So he steals the ball from his own teammate, you know? 
Um, so that elbow was actually unintentional, but uh, John Kransky, is that how you say his last name? Krasinski. Krasinski. Yeah. Um, actually gets elbowed in the face there, which is pretty great. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah, that's why it looks so good on camera because it was natural. It just accidentally it just got happened, popped. Yeah. You know? And then one more fun fact: uh, Brian Baumgartner, who plays Kevin, mm-hmm. he actually made fourteen shots in a row. I think they only keep in like five or so. He's like kind of going around the key, right? Um, but when they were shooting it, he made fourteen shots. Wow. That's actually, cool. I think what happened was he was just shooting, and then he kept making shots. So they're like, "Shoot this." And then, so whatever they shot was like what was left <laughs> after that. So that's kind of nice. Funny. So, where are you going to rank this episode? It's tough. I feel like the the out of five system here is failing me. So I'm gonna. I might have to go to a point five thing here, but I'm gonna give it a um, a four point five out Ooh. of five free throw shots. <laughs> and what I'm gonna do moving forward is when I take notes, I'm gonna add in my. Yeah, I've been meaning to do, actually do that. Here. But, yeah. uh, so I'm going to give this four out of five birdbath baths out of the sink. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that was that was some unfortunate visuals, huh? You see, like, <laughs> skinny, pasty BJ Novak kind of showering his armpits well, there. Like, yeah. Yeah, That's a tough one. Uh, All right. So we're on to our last episode, um, Hot Girl. The last episode of the season. The last episode of the season. Not not meant to be, but it was aired last, right? Because I'm looking at the production codes here. It was 1102. Um, right, yeah. It was uh, 1102, so it was supposed to be the second episode, but it ended up not being the, uh, the, the uh, last episode, or first right. second episode. But essentially what happens in this episode is um, the office gets this weird out-of-office sales rep who comes in and is trying to sell purses to the ladies in the office. And I thought it was kind of weird, right? Because, like, she comes in, but she's there for the whole day. She she sets up shop in the uh, conference room. She's got all her bags laid out. And throughout the day, all the different people in the office kind of go in and um, check out the different things. And she's talking to them. And some people are a little bit more receptive. Some people aren't. But it's like you feel like at some point um, people just know. Like they come and they're like, oh, yes, I would like this bag. Or no, I wouldn't like this bag. Like she shouldn't really have to set up shop for the whole day. So that was kind of weird that she's there for so long. Um, but obviously it allows Michael to have this really weird interaction with her as he keeps visiting her throughout the day, you know? Right. But I think part of that would be that maybe she was trying to get other people from the office park to come down to her. Right. Not just under Mifflin, right? Yeah. Not just under Mifflin. Um, but this is uh, Amy Adams, yep. who is uh, a huge star now, obviously. She's been in multiple Disney movies, was in... Superman movies, like huge star. Uh, I think they, she had done a couple of bit parts like this, right? Like, around they, this time, uh, yeah. they had the producer said that they realized how big of a star she was going to be. They would have kept her in the show. They would have figured out some way to like keep yeah. her in the show. I mean, because she's seen kind of in and out of season two. Right, um, she was in 
at least all the way till booze cruise right but she was in at least three episodes yeah i mean she's there for the fire she's there for the fire maybe that's it and booze cruise cruise. yeah right and they reference her in um when everyone goes to jim's house yes but she's not seen right right which is before booze cruise right yeah so you get the idea that they're not doing so great yeah, I mean, he definitely. I think he probably does like her, and not to not to be mean to this character or anything, but there probably is a similarity uh, for him that Pam, you know, with like a Pam comparison. So like, this is like a nice Pam alternate, right? So I probably early on in that relationship it was okay, especially because by the fire they seem okay. Well, I mean, but like you said during house party, they're kind of rocky. Yeah, oh, but your your hesitation reminds me. That's right, because she likes weird movies that Jim and Pam make fun of. Right, right. Yeah. Not weird movies. Uh, terrible movies. Terrible movies. Right. I forget what they are. I have to be careful because she might mention. It's movie like that Legends my of the Fall, Legally oh, sure. Blonde. Yeah, I can't make fun of Legally Blonde. I'm not allowed to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, fun thing about this episode is, even though Michael is born and bred. Not too far outside of Philly, because that's where Scranton is, like an hour and a half from Philly. Right. He's a Pirates fan, which is a Pittsburgh team, which is where I live, which is like five hours away from from Scranton, six hours away. Right. He's because uh, he at the beginning of this episode he's talking to Jan, and he's she says something about Alan. He's like, "Oh, tell Alan that the Mets suck. Go Pirates." Yeah. You know? It's like, let's go Pirates. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's like. Really? Like, it seems like an odd thing. It's like, he should be a Phillies fan. He should be. Yeah. Um, but maybe maybe it's, like, close enough, though. I mean, you know, we have, a, well, Jersey. We always get stuck having to root for New York teams, you know? So it's like Jets and Giants. But we do have the Devils. So I right. root for uh, the stupid Rangers. But the thing is, is maybe they were just doing it to contrast because Jim is a huge, you know, Phillies fan. He's yeah. a Sixers yeah. fan. He's a Phillies fan. He's a... Yeah, all all the teams. The Flyers fan, Eagles fan, even though they don't really talk about talk much hockey. You know, I wonder too if this is Michael pretending to like sports, because generally he's a pretty unmanly man. You know, that's true. I hadn't thought about that. Maybe he's just like right. This is like this is like somebody. this thing he could fake with uh, whoever the hell he's talking about. Yeah. Um. So let's see. What are some interesting interactions that people have with Hot Girl Katie? Um, Dwight goes in there. Right. Uh, I want to. Trying to make uh, no, we'll uh, we'll get, we'll get to that. I don't think we're okay. right that, but like a couple of times in my notes, I've just written "poor Katie" because like mm-hmm. the way Michael treats her is yeah. so terrible. I feel so bad for it. She's like doing all she can to not get pulled in. Well, that's but, what's super sad is because you feel like she's definitely had this experience before, right? She's just like chronically, like obviously she's attractive. And she just has these, like, really weird dudes hitting on her all the time. Right. Especially if, like, consistently she sets up shop in a place for, like, a day and can have them, like, regularly visit her, you know? Right. But even then, like, it seemed like Michael was uh, a stretch too far for her. She's like, just please leave me alone, (laughs) you know? Uh, There's that great bit where Ryan's helping him clean out his car. Yes. He's like, how many fish fillets do you eat? 
Yeah, and, and the uh, and it also brings in uh, Night Sweat, this perfect smell like. That's right. That's right. Which gets brought up three or four more times in, yeah. in the run of the series. So I wonder who like was like at the you know Rite Aid trying to find something to insult just that tag a perfect smell like for this and just like hey, I'm gonna write this into an episode. Well, you know what else too, and I was going to I, I should have brought it up during um, the Alliance, but or yeah, it's the Alliance. Um, this is this whole season they do hint to us that Michael's kind of broke all the time, right? You know he. Um, because eventually he has to declare bankruptcy and he's like super broke. And I, I had always kind of wondered and never really thought about it if, if he just like became irresponsible with money or if he always kind of was. And this season he's got a lot of issues with money. In the Alliance he over-donates to Oscar and has to tell him to cash a check on Friday when they get paid. Right. Uh, well, uh, I think he was always bad with money, but Jan moving in and then spending more money is what caused him to go, you know, full, full on full go broke, you know? Yeah. See, cause that part of me too, always wondered if that was a legitimate thing. Like, did Jan really spend that much money? Cause then when Oscar goes through that, like that list of things that Michael bought, he does buy like a lot of garbage, right? you know? So I mean, I'm sure Jan didn't help, especially being unemployed, but, um, he was definitely not doing like super swell, especially by buying knockoff smells, you know? I, I think that uh, also in this episode is where you really start to see the uh, antagonism towards Toby. Yeah. Because he's like, you know, showing Katie around. He's like, this is Toby. And they, they you know, they're friendly. He's like, he's been divorced. He's right. got a kid. And, you know, da, yeah. Da, 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 da. yeah. Like, uh, it's the first time you really see Michael be, like, anti-Toby. Even yeah. though that becomes, like, a trope for the show is how much right. everyone hates Toby. Yeah. Yeah, and, and actually, most people don't hate Toby, but it seems like people in management positions hate their HR reps. Because, like, when Jim is manager for a oh, day. That reminds me. So, yeah. in this episode, uh, when Michael says to put Katie in the conference room, right? Angela or Pam says there's an HR meeting yeah. in there. And I'm like, Toby's the only HR person in the building. Right. Is he just, like... Jerking yeah. off in there? Like, what is he doing? That's a good point. Well, I, I, maybe I wonder if it's like a conference call. Maybe. Yeah. But yeah, that's a good point. I mean, again, it just seems like everybody's particular roles is kind of loosely defined up until like later when it's like said, you know? Right. Because um, there's a bit where, so Michael obviously doesn't like Toby, right? Mm. During Survivor Man, Jim is the manager for the day and he starts to not like Toby. And then David Wallace talks to... Jim, I think about, I think it's the job when he's interviewing for that position at corporate. Right. Um, and he says something before it kind of like fades out that um, Jim needs to talk to, I think his name is Kendall or something, the HR guy at corporate. But David Wallace says something like, he's not so nice or he's not so great or whatever. Right. So it seems like generally Dunder Mifflin HR representatives are not well received by anybody. Yeah, I can understand that. I mean, HR is HR. Um, <laughs> Uh, most of what Michael does in this episode would get him fired. You would get sued so hard from an outside vendor to the way oh. he treats Katie. Yeah. Like, just, like, is so forward about trying to, like, boner. Right. And then, then, speaking of, you have the whole Dwight boner. Yeah. Which is 
never ever want to see again. Like that scars me for life. <laughs> uh, yeah, but he he buys a bag. He does buy that. He does. Yeah, and, that is up the maybe the best bit from the entire episode when yeah. he's in there talking to her and Jim is narrating the encounter oh, to Pam. Yeah. It's like, oh, yes, I'll be the prettiest girl of them all. <laughs> <laughs> that is so, like, classic, classic uh, scene right there. Um, I mean, so what do you think of it as, like, a season closer? I mean, if you didn't know it was the end of the season, you wouldn't know, right? Yeah. Uh, Except, like, the only, like, real definitions are Michael kind of loses and the whole Jim-Katie thing starts going, you know? Right, right. And so, you know, watching everything up in, until this point, you're like, oh, Jim and Pan, right? Right. But in this episode, you're like, well, maybe not Jim and Pan. Maybe Pam is destined to live her life or whatever. And, yeah, so it's a really, it's a... Yeah, I mean, it's like I wonder then maybe if they had aired them in the production lineup. Because what was the last production code? We got um, Basketball's 04, The Alliance is 03, health, I think maybe Healthcare was supposed to be. Yeah, yeah Healthcare, healthcare was 05. Because that might have been, at least in context of the show as a whole, a more appropriate ending note. You know, because like we're left with like this corporate decision and Thunder Rifflin's in a rut. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, that would make more sense. Uh, I think that Hot Girl uh, definitely uh, filled that void. Yeah. In a lot of respects, because you're just like, oh, you know, like, Jim's moving on. Jim has moved on, right? Right. Because especially the first, well, episode, well, these four episodes we've been talking about tonight is really builds the Jim-Pam narrative, right? Yeah. You see, you see the relationship and what it is and how it grows. And then soon you're going to get Office Olympics and the Dundies and everything else. So I think this is a really interesting, like, break-off point for right. the show. Uh, it really, like, it adds this whole other element where, you know, early adopters of the show were like, oh, my God, no, no, Jim, don't, don't do this shit. Come on, man, <laughs> you know? Well, just, yeah. And throughout season two, though, it does give Pam, it like gives Pam's side of the whole jealousy story, where she's forced to sit there and watch like right. Kate and well, Jim and that's, go away. It's something like um, when Jim says he's going to see Katie this weekend, right? Like she gets super angry about it. Yeah, uh, and it's very visible on her face. Um, some other fun things. This is the first reference to uh, Michael's futon. Which mm -hmm. he has until Jan moves in. Yeah. Well, because technically, because we never see where Michael lives until he moves into the condo. Correct. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> um, what else do we got here? If there's anything else. It was written by Mindy Kaling as a, by the way. Right. Yes. Written yeah. by uh, Kelly. She writes some of the best episodes. Yeah, she does. Yeah. Have you ever? I never watched the uh, the Mindy project. It's good. It's good. Yeah. It got it's, weird, uh, and so I kind of quit watching it. But you know, it's the first like two seasons are hilarious. Yeah. It's a Hulu exclusive for streaming, and I'm I don't I don't have Hulu, so should get on Hulu, man. It's worth it. Yeah. Especially now they have the uh, 
commercial free version. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what, what are you going to rate this episode? This one, I think I'm going to give it a three out of five fish fillets. And I'm going to say too that generally speaking, I don't know if I'll ever. Well, maybe like later postseason five, I might get like I might start to go below three. But I could already foresee that moving forward, a lot of these at, lo- at the least are going to be three point five, but everything might be higher. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I will give it. This is a really good episode. Uh, four out of five night swaps. <laughs> nice, nice. So, so yeah, uh, yeah, but. It's going to be until at least into season three before I start giving something below a three out of five. Yeah. So in terms of this season as a whole, out of all of the seasons of The Office, what do you, what do you think? Uh, it's hard to judge it because it's so short. Yeah. Uh, and it's the beginning, and they definitely don't have a lot of money. But I think it's good. It's better than season... Uh, Oh, is that true? I'm trying to think because, like, I used to really hate on like season five and six, mm. but the more I rewatch them, the more I like them. Yeah. So I'm gonna say it's probably like, like fifth best season. Okay. Because um, season eight was there. If it wasn't for the Florida episode, season eight would be really meh. Like the right. Florida episode just redeemed that season so hard because they're yeah. so good. Yeah, season four was kind of rough. Like I said, when Jim and Pam got together, I felt like the show was kind of like trying to figure out what to focus on next. So that was kind of rough. And then I just have a that last season, what they do to Andy is just inexcusable. It's very <laughs> difficult for me to watch. But so yeah, this is you're probably right. Probably top four, top five seasons out of the whole show. So well, what what will you give this season? <laughs> I would give this season. Yeah, I'd probably stick with a, a, a three out of five rats in a trap. <laughs> uh, I will give it three out of five Dwight's boners. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. Yep. Well, if it's got to be done, it's got to be done. I get it's it. It's got to be done. Right. <laughs> so uh, thank you. I mean, we're pre- I think we're pretty much done unless there's anything else you want to no, bring sounds- up. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, again, we are part of the Broken Jars Broadcasting Network, brokenjars.xyz. We have the Dresden Files podcast, 42 Entertainment, High Fantasy, if you're into writing, Shylock's Gaming, which J-Ray is a part of. Yep. Um, Ray is going to start a new podcast on the network soon about, like, nerd culture, which will be fun. Um, yeah. Broken Jars pod on Twitter, Broken Jars Broadcasting at Gmail all that good stuff. So uh, please come out, you know, tell us what you like, tell us what you don't like, everything else, you know, all that good stuff. So, uh, yeah, just please hit us up. Yep. Even tell us what you like about the episodes that we have or are going to talk about. Because we're going to bring up some of that stuff, you know. We care. We care what you guys think. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So y'all have a good night or good morning or afternoon whenever you're listening to it. Bye. Bye.